I'm going to teach just a little bit on, I'm going to set the table, okay? And then I'm going to read a lot of scripture and the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. In John 16, in verse 7, it says this. Jesus is speaking. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit. Someone say, for my benefit. It is for your benefit that I am going away. Because if I don't go away, the Counselor will not come to you. And if I go, I will send Him to you. So according to Jesus, it is better tonight that you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you as your teacher tonight than if we, then that's better than if we had Jesus in the flesh standing here teaching. And I know that's a little bit hard to comprehend. And that's because maybe for some of us we have been too tangled up in things of the world that cloud our hearing and cloud our seeing. But the truth is, the Lord wants to teach you and to lead you from the inside out. And if, if this is true, which I don't believe Jesus is in the habit of lying, do you? No. In fact, He never lied. Because it says He never sinned. And if He said, it's better that I go, then what we have tonight is better than what the disciples had. So are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to be your teacher tonight? See, the problem, this is one of the things the Lord ministered to me, that one of the, the, the trouble with the people of God is they're just too content to be told rather than to have the revelation of it. They're too content to be told about the good things of God and the plan of God and the gifts of the Spirit, but they've not really had the revelation of those things. And you know, it's a big difference between when you teach a little one that the stove is hot and then when they actually touch it and they get the revelation, it's hot. And that's where my prayer is tonight that you and I would come up, that we would level up in revelation, that we would begin to walk in that divine revelation on the inside. See, you know, you've heard these things said before, but you can't argue someone into truth. You can present truth in the most purest, best, most loving form. And it's still up to that person to receive it or not because we see Jesus do that. He would present truth and some people would reject it and go away. And others received it and their life was changed. So it's not about us just simply presenting truth to people. That is our part of it. But where we have to where we have to believe God is for revelation for ourselves and revelation for those who hear. When Jesus said things like, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. He's not talking about just the words. He's talking about revelation. Let, him, let it come in as revelation to him. Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Why is that? Because in our natural mind and thinking, we can hear things said completely different than they were actually said. Right? So we need revelation from the Lord. You can receive revelation. Well, what was the guy's name in the Bible that his donkey talked to him? Caleb? Balaam. I was going to say, I don't remember that one, but okay. Balaam, that's right. And the donkey talked to him and he had revelation. 
a sudden understanding that, oh, (laughs) I've been missing it. So if he can receive revelation from a donkey, then surely you and I can receive revelation from each other. Right? So it's not how good it's presented to us. It's not how well it's said. It's not how thoroughly it's presented. It is between here and here. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me? Even if I preach something you disagree with, you should go out up a level because the Holy Spirit was ministering to you and was teaching you in spite of my, my weakness, right? Alright, I'll read another one to you. Verses 13 and 14 of the same chapter, John 16. So he said it's better that I go away. Now he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, Jesus, because He will take from what is Mine and declare it to you. Someone say, He will guide me into all truth. He declares to me what He has heard from the Father. In chapter 14 and verse 26, a similar thing. Says the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Will teach you all things. Someone say he's teaching me all things. Will teach you all things and what else? And remind you of everything I have told you. In the moment that you need it, it'll come up on the inside. It's there. It's there. It's time that we begin to walk by the Spirit and by the Spirit of Revelation and by the Spirit of Christ is what the Spirit of Revelation is. More than just having our ears tickled in good teaching. In 1 John 2.27 It says, As for you, someone say, that's me. As for you, the anointing you received from Him remains in you. Now, just to be clear, the Apostle John was writing this to a group of believers, not to a group of apostles, not to a bunch of ministers. He's writing this to a church. And so when he says, as for you, the anointing you received from Him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, His anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie just as it has taught you remain in Him, abide in Him. That's not saying that there's not a place for teachers in your lives. Obviously not. Because we have other scriptures that say that, that there is. But the Holy Spirit wants to be your teacher. Allow the mouthpiece to stir something up in you. Allow the Holy Spirit to make it real to you. To open up your eyes to see it in a brand new way. Have any of you ever read a scripture that you could have probably quoted before and then all of a sudden it was like your eyes popped open and you saw it for the first time? That's revelation. And here's the thing. The more revelation that you walk in, the more responsibility you'll be presented with. And if you want to be weak and anemic and lazy, then you don't want revelation. Because you'll be held accountable for what you do with that revelation. Now, here's the kicker. You're going to be held accountable for the revelation you could have walked in that you chose not to hear. 
So you don't get a free pass just because you avoided the revelation. Let me say it this way. If Shane is called to go to the continent of Africa, right? And that's the assignment of the Lord that the Lord has supernaturally put on him. Whether or not he ever walks in that or not is beside the point when it comes judgment day when he's being addressed. Because he's going to have to answer, what did I do with the call that was on me? And if he goes, well, I didn't know there was on, one on me. Well, we know from Scripture that if the Lord really would call him to that, he would make sure to get the message over to him. He would have to ignore it. He would have to decide, no, I'm not going to serve the Lord. And by the way, that's just one of the lies of the enemy. And Shane, I'm not preaching you in Africa, so, so don't take that that way. But that's one of the lies of the enemy is to tell you that if you'll surrender your life to the Lord completely and fully, He'll send you someplace horrible. That's a lie. When I surrendered my life fully to the Lord, He sent me to Lancaster. Look at this amazing place, right? I can't imagine living somewhere else now. This is a good place. But I didn't always think so. I, I grew up. I've told you these stories, but how I grew up, and I would tell my friends that you got to have rocks in your head to live in Lancaster. I would never live in Pennsylvania. But when we stepped into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and suddenly our desires began to change and our desires were we want to do whatever the Lord wants us to do. It doesn't matter where it is and, and, and how difficult or how easy. We just want to please You, Lord. And as we surrendered, He said, go to Lancaster. Now in our flesh, we still thought that was a bad idea. But we surrendered to it and we came here and it's so much more fulfilling than Colorado. Hallelujah. I wouldn't know any of you if we hadn't come here. So the Lord enriched our lives because we still stay in contact with all our friends there. I still go out and minister. I still get to see them. It's not like we lost those friends. We still have them in our life, but you were added to us. So when I say, don't think that if I, I surrender to the Lord, He'll send me to some horrible place. I once went... I don't know how come I'm off on this, but apparently someone needs to go to Africa. I don't know. <laughs> the first time in 2006, this is before I'm spirit-filled, I go into Liberia, and this is just right after the Civil War had ended. I mean, there's bullet holes in everything. There's casings laying everywhere. Everyone, I mean, it's, a, it's just a horrible place, right? Because of the, the, the ugliness of war. And... They, that was where, you know, we hear about it in Sierra Leone, but it was also in Liberia, which is a neighboring country, the child soldiers. and They would put them on drugs, and there was cannibalism, and it was just horrible, horrible things. And one party would win, and so now they're the ones in control, and so that immediately makes the opposition the rebels. But then the rebels would get stronger and win. Now they're in control, so it makes the opposition the rebels. So no matter who you talk to, they were all rebels at one point or another because of the turning tides of, of the war. Well, we go over there and, and we come into there and I intensely do not like this place. I want to be anywhere but here. Okay? I just don't like the place. And I was miserable. We were there for two weeks. It took me a whole week of misery because I was pretty certain that if I decide, Lord, if I surrender to the Lord, He's going to send me here. 
Honest to God, that's what I thought. And it was, we were there for a whole week before I got off alone and was like, all right, Lord, I give up. I surrender. I'll come here and I'll bring my family here if this is what you want, and I'll do it gladly. And you know, that whole thing just lifted, and I heard on the inside the Lord say to me, I just wanted to know that you'd do it if I needed you to. It's like, yeah, I'll do it. Thank you. Yeah, be willing. Just because something's put on your heart doesn't mean He's sending you there, but are you willing to do it? Especially if it's something your flesh doesn't want. All right. There was the uh, hors d'oeuvres. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you and He's going to open up your eyes and give you revelation. Father, I just lift up these Your people and I ask You that the Spirit of revelation would move in the house tonight. And I release, Father... The, the ability to see in Jesus' name. That we would hear in the name of Jesus. That we would look to You as one person. And Father, that we would be united to You and with one another. That Your revelation would become a thing that is tangible and real in our lives. That we would be changed and go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. That we would rise up in greater ways than we have before. In Jesus' name. I'm not going to give you the title of the sermon till the end. If I forget and I'm closing, wave your hands at me and say, what was the title? What I want you to do is just listen. Now you can turn along. You should have a pen and a paper available to you if you, if, if you have it available to you so that you can jot down references or something that the Holy Spirit would minister to you. But I'm going to read and string together a whole bunch of different Scriptures from different places. Fifteen different places. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to minister that, what He wants to minister to you out of, out of those Scriptures. I may say a word or two as we go, but it's going to be, be few. I'm going to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In verse 1. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness. Now your flesh will find joy in unrighteousness, but love 
finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never ends. Look at your neighbor and say, love never ends. Alright, 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verses 9 and 10. About brotherly love, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God. There you have it again. Holy Spirit's our teacher. You yourselves are taught by God what are we taught by God about? Well, to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more. Do this even more. Do what? Love one another. Love one another. John chapter 13. John 13 and verse 34 and 35. Jesus is speaking. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone say, by this, everyone will know it's not going to be a secret. It's going to be evident. Other people will be able to know this just by looking at you. It's like your business card, but it's an advertisement on your forehead. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Jesus' disciples. If. Say if. 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 If what, Jesus? If you love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples. What's the qualifier, Jesus, if you love one another? Chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. This is my command, Jesus speaking again. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Look at verse 17. He finishes with, this is what I command you, love one another. Go back to chapter 13 and verse 12 through 17. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on His outer clothing. Now, the setting here is He had just finished washing the disciples' feet. A few of them thought that was a bad idea because they felt it was not proper. It was out of order because Jesus is the Master. And here the Master is serving them in the lowliest of tasks and washing their feet, which is supposed to be a servant's job at the door. And so he is, he's acting like a servant, right? Something that's far, should be far beneath him, they think. 
So he finishes with this. It says in verse 12, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, that you also should do just as I have done for you. And it's not about washing actual physical feet. I mean, you can wash people's feet, that's fine if you want to do it symbolically. But I have never needed someone to wash my feet. And to be quite frankly, you're not doing me a service to come wash my feet because I'd rather wash my own. So let's not be so legalistic as to quarantine this to feet washing. It's to do the job that's undesirable for another. That's what it is. Right? To serve someone else. All right. I have given you an example, verse 15, that you should also do just as I've done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger, messenger is the word apostle here, it means sent one, it's what we call a missionary, is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know, and this word know is see, it's revelation. If you know these things, you are blessed. The word is happy. You are happy. You are blessed if you do them. The word means supremely blessed. More than just a little bit. It also means happy and joyous. You want to be happy? Serve people. That's what Jesus said. If you know these things, you are happy if you do them. Do what? He was talking about washing feet. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. We'll read down through 8. If, then, there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Putting others first. Serving them. Verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. I'll say it. I'll reword it and paraphrase it to say that when Jesus walked the earth, He didn't consider His Godship as something to be used to His advantage when He walked the earth as a man. He walked by faith just like you and I have to. Verse 7, instead He emptied Himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when He had come as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. To death on a cross. Verse 9, For this reason God highly exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name, 
the name that is above every name. He inherited and he was, it was conferred upon him the name of Jesus. And every tongue is going to acknowledge and every knee is going to bend the Lordship and acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If not here, they will later. But why did this come about? Because he had this attitude that he was going to serve others in love. He loved the Father. He did what the Father wanted him to do. And the Lord, the Father, exalted him because of it. 1 John chapter 3. Let's begin in... Well, I'd like to read verse 8 just because I like this verse so much. The, the last half of verse 8 says the Son of God was revealed for this purpose. To destroy the devil's works. Revealed. That's revelation. He was revealed for this purpose. You need to have the works of the devil destroyed in your life. You just need a revelation of Jesus. Come on, God doesn't have grandchildren. You either have personal relationship with Him or you don't. Verse 10, this is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not... Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down His life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before Him whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and He knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from Him because we keep His commands and do what is pleasing in His sight. Now, not later, now. Someone say now. This is His command that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And, everyone say, and. So something more is required than just believing in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ. And love one another. As He has commanded us. The one who keeps His commands remains in Him, and He in Him. And the way we know that He remains in us is from the Spirit He has given us. Let's go down to chapter 4 and verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. 
And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born, birthed of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him and He in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment or, or torment. Fear is tormenting. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from Him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of Him. Let me say it a different way. I have friends that I really don't have a personal relationship with their children, but I love their children because I love them. Those children are a part of them. So I would fight for those children simply because they're a child of my friend whom I love. And so if we love the Father, he's saying, then we're going to love the Father's children, you and I, each other. Verse 2, this is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey His commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep His commands and His commands are not a burden because all that has been born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Romans chapter 12. Verses 9 through 18. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, not fake. It doesn't say let it be because you feel it. Just let it be genuine. You're doing it for the right reasons. 
Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Actually, let's just read verse 5 with it. 5 through, through 8. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. No matter the circumstance that you're in, you can still walk in holiness in righteousness, in honor, in integrity. Verse 6, don't work only. So he's saying this to slaves, but certainly then it applies, if it applies to the furthest down the chain slave, it's going to also, it's also going to apply to you and I in what we do. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ. Do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people. Knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, see I told you he was talking to both of us, he will receive this back from the Lord. Receive this back from the Lord. Whatever you do unto people, but you do it as unto the Lord, you will receive it back from the Lord. That's why over in in 1 Corinthians when he says that even if I had the faith to move all mountains and even if I gave all my possessions and even if I, you know, all these things, did all of this stuff and I didn't have love, he says it won't benefit me, the person doing it, anything. Because there's no reward in it. But if you do it unto the Lord, that's in love. Now there's benefit and reward to it. Go over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Here we have it again. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord. We're, doing, we're going through that study on the awe of God, the fear of the Lord. So that should be kind of jumping off the page to some of you. Verse 23, whatever you do, whatever you do, say whatever I do, 
Do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. You serve the Lord Christ. That's who it's unto. Galatians chapter 5. 5 and verse 13. You were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Rather, serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Love is a choice. Love is something done by your will. Deliberately. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. I remember the story. Go over to Hebrews 6. The story of a snake that was really hungry and he came upon his own tail and began to eat it. And he kept swallowing it and swallowing it until he had swallowed himself completely up and disappeared. This is what will happen to you if you fight with each other. Where did I say to go? Hebrews 6, verse 9. After He was perfected, He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey Him. And He was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That's actually in chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Which Those are great verses, but that is not what I was going to read. Let's go to chapter 6, 9, and 10. Even though we are speaking this way, dearly loved friends, in your case we are confident of things that are better and that pertain to salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for His name by how? By how? By serving the saints. He will not forget the love that you have demonstrated for His name. How do we demonstrate love to you, Father? By serving the saints. And you will continue to serve them. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Who can say amen? Some of you aren't convinced. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Watchful. In your right mind. Above all, above all, maintain constant love for one another. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And that's what happens. He is glorified when we show to be His disciples by having love one for another. 1 Corinthians 13, where we started. 
Put up, um, let's start in verse 1, but let's read it in the Amplified. If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries, and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith, so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. Even if I doll out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily, is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. <clears throat> we'll come back to that in just a moment. Now, listen to this. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, people that have gone before us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Listen to what it says about Him and how He did it. For the joy that lay before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. I mean, in struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Who for the joy that lay before Him. It was not a joy to go to the cross. It was not a joy to suffer the pains of death. It was not a joy to, to take our punishment upon Him. That's not what He's talking about. The joy that lay before Him was seeing you come in as brothers and sisters into the kingdom. See, <coughs> seeing what would be restored to the people of the earth as they come into the kingdom. The rights and privileges of, of being called children of God. That was the joy that lay before Him. He saw adoption on the horizon. In fact, in Isaiah 53, toward the end of the chapter, where he, you know, the chapter where he says, by his wounds were healed, later in the chapter it says that he saw the light of what was to come and rejoiced in it. All right, back to 1 Corinthians. Um, where were we? We were at verse, <clears throat> verse 5. Let's start in, in 5 again. 
It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. You can have a suffered wrong and count it all joy. For the joy that lays before me. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Go down to verse 13. And so faith, hope, and love abide. Faith is that conviction and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope is that joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Love is the true affection for God and man growing out of God's love for and in us. These three, faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. God is love. God is not faith. And God is not hope. God is love. The greatest of these is love. We talk a lot about faith in this house. And faith is important. Without faith, you're not going to see God. So it's a big deal, right? Faith that can move mountains. Faith that can have your miracle. Faith that your body will be healed and then you experience miraculous healing. Faith for provision. Faith for open doors for the Gospel. All of this is a great, amazing thing. It's faith. And, and hope, well that's great too. You can't have faith without hope. If you're out of hope, you are not in faith. You can have hope without faith, but you cannot have faith without hope. Hope will lead you into faith. And without those two things, we will be completely unsuccessful in the kingdom of God. But there's something greater. Something more important. That is the very DNA and nature of God Himself. And that's love. Galatians says our faith works by our love. Because God is love. <clears throat> Are you ready for the title? One way that we love God is by loving one another. It's not just something cliche that we say in this house. We're so accustomed to hearing that that sometimes it's just like, you know, I start the phrase, you end it, and, and that's how we know church is over. But I'm glad someone caught that. It's never over, right? We want to have that be an expression of our lives because of the revelation of God on the inside of us of love, of love for His people, for love for His things, love for, for the Father. And if we love Him, then we'll do as He tells us. We'll obey and we'll, we'll love on His people. Looking for an excuse, looking for a reason to love on someone. So, I'm going to do this a little bit differently than what we would normally do. 
worship team, you can come. What, what I'm going to ask you to do is sit in reflection and revelation. Allow the Lord to just minister and continue to teach you. And then John, whenever you seem it seems right to you, go ahead and lead us into worship. And if we stand here for an hour, that's fine. Um, but just when it seems right to you, lead us in, in worship. So the pastor asked that we would allow the Holy Spirit, and there was a lot, there was a lot of meat in that. But as him sharing with us from the Word, and said, this is what all of this means. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will not be deterred in following his example, powerfully healing, joyfully giving, faithfully living, confidently expecting. All right, let's do this. Let's, let's um, before the Lord, just repent for any time where we have not walked in love when we ought to have. Because I know that all of you have places in your lives, in your personal lives, where that's been the case. Maybe you've already placed that under the blood, and that's great. Let's just do it again together. Father, we present ourselves to you right here. And we just repent, we change, we turn, we determine, Father, that we are going to walk in a manifestation of love greater than we have in the past. No longer are we going to... to step out of love, but we commit, Father, to walk in love as You are in love. To walk perfectly, perfectly in completeness of love. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Father. In Jesus' name. And, and, and for some of you that have trouble with saying, I walk perfectly, that doesn't mean without error. It means it's complete. It's, it's the finished product. Okay? worship you, Lord, as King of kings, Lord of lords. Thank you, Father, for making, for making us by your own hand worthy to be called your children, to be considered your sons. Father, we bless you. Thank you, Father, that your mercy is great. Your faithfulness knows no end. Thank you, Lord, that your love is faithful, enduring to all generations. I bless you, Lord. You are worthy of our exaltation and we lift you up and magnify you. You are bigger than all my problems, bigger than all our sins. You are bigger than anything, Lord. And we worship you. Jesus, you are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of exaltation and we glorify you, Lord. Thank you for being amazing, Lord. Thank you for your word. And that you exalt your word above all your name. Lord, we glorify your word. And that your character 
is such that you watch over your word to make sure it happens in the earth today. And Father, we place ourselves in alignment with your word. That your word will continue to expand and to grow in this region, in this nation. Lord, that your word will cover all the earth and those in the darkness will come into the light. Father, this is what we set ourselves to do. The purpose you have set before us to bring good news to the poor, to those that would hear. Lord, give them ears to hear. Father, give them eyes to see. I thank you for revelation upon the house of God through all the nations of the earth. I thank you that, Lord, you begin to open up the eyes of the blind, those that are physically blind, those that are spiritually blind, that you open deaf ears to hear truth, to hear hear in the natural, to hear in the spiritual. Lord, that you give us, give us the vision that you would have us to have at all times in all ways to do all things that you've purposed for us to do. And I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Your word will not return void, but it'll accomplish what you've sent it to do. And we align ourselves with that word until everyone hears, until all nations come to the light of your glorious presence. Here we are, Lord, send us. Lord, in the highways and in the byways. In the low places and in the high places. That your name is proclaimed everywhere we go. Lord, this week, I'm asking as we come into into a time of thanksgiving, that as we go, Lord, that you are ever ready, present, able on our lips. Father, stir in us by your Holy Spirit to be that light to be the witness, to be the mouthpiece, to be the handpiece as we go into our places of work, as we go into places of business, as we go into our family settings, Lord, that we would continue to represent You as You have created us to be Your representation in this earth. Lord, I ask that Your love, Your love would flow through and in us more than before. And Lord, this won't happen without revelation of your love. And so I'm asking you in Jesus' name for a revelation of the divine purpose of love in our lives. And how that love in us is supposed to flow out to those around us. Thank you for showing that to us, Lord. Thank you for demonstrating it to us. Thank you that you have made us, made us to walk in it perfectly before you in Jesus' name. So as we were worshiping, um, this, this is probably um, my most, like if I were to have a thing that was my most prized possession, it would be my Bible. Um, and I, I don't mean that in like any other spiritual sense. Like I just, I really, I like how it feels. I like, you know, I like it. I like reading it. It's, it's my most prized possession. And as we were worshiping, um, Misha decided to grab a pen and uh, draw all over the love chapter of the Bible, and then it hit me. I mean, like a sack of bricks, it hit me. Do you guys know, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but the word love in chapter 13 is the word agape. Mm-hmm. And in John, in 1 John, I think it's, well, you read it tonight, um, where God says that he is love, they're the same word. So that word love is agape in that chapter as well as it is here in, in 1 Corinthians 13. And that literally means unconditional love. And so all of a sudden, my son 
whom I love is coloring in my most prized possession and what do you think happens? The flesh is like, ah, what are you doing? But then all of a sudden I hear the Holy Spirit say, what are you willing to give up to suffer for my love for you? Are you going to brush aside the things because you're uncomfortable? Or are you going to step in and say, you know what? That was really uncomfortable, but I love you, Lord. And everything that Pastor Sid said tonight, the Lord's been working on my heart on these things the past couple of weeks. The cloud of witnesses, like down to even that scripture where you lay aside every weight and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Like they seem like just things that are like, yeah, those are all love scriptures, you know, but the Lord's been showing me that as we continue to walk by the Spirit into the deeper places of love, He's showing us how to do that. And that is by His joy. Because when you're uncomfortable, I'm sure everybody in this place knows that when you're uncomfortable, it is icky. It just is nasty. You're like, I don't want to do this. Oh my gosh, what is happening right now? And sometimes it's to the point of where I don't know if I can do this. But what is our strength to get that through? is the joy of the Lord. So as we acknowledge him in all of our ways, walking in love with one another, true love, the uncomfortable kind of love where it's 3 a.m. and somebody needs you to come pick them up 45 miles away kind of love. And you're like, I want to sleep because I work in the morning kind of love. But you know what? I love you more, Lord, as we do things unto him and say, you know what? I need your joy right now. And you're laughing the whole way there because he will give you that joy at a moment's notice because that's what gets you through the hard times. And so as my son, to finish what I'm saying here, is over here drawn in my Bible on the area of love, I'm here laughing because I'm like, you know what? What a picture-perfect way to encompass what God's trying to show us in this chapter here. So you know what? That's uncomfortable, but I love my son. I love him so much. And that's how God sees us, that no matter how messy it gets, he loves us more than that. So let's flip the script and put that on him, no matter what he puts us through. Jacob, are you ready to come? Good evening, everybody. There will be revival in Lewisburg. Amen. There will be souls saved, miracles happening. Yes. Uh, just like Pastor Sid was saying in his prayer, let the word of the Lord go from here, beyond, to nation, to every village. Uh, the Hoover family is hosting in Lewisburg. Okay, Eric Hoover, Nathan Hoover, and his wife. Uh, we have a place, and I will be sharing my testimony of what the Lord has done for me. And this is a direct result, firstly, because the Lord is seated at the right hand of the Father, but because... It's an honor for me to be part of this family, uh, the gift of God in Pastor Sidney and the gift of God in you. Some of you have financially sowed in my life. Some of you have interceded for my life. Uh, just your fellowship has impacted me, and I'm able to please the Lord to do his work and to step into the calling of God in my life. So I really thank you. Your prayers and intercessions are much needed at 6 p.m. If you won't be there, be there in spirit. Praying for people to be fed, touched by the Lord himself, to, you know what I mean, to receive him in their hearts. 
okay? And uh, I can't emphasize your intercession, how much needed it is, because it's not a one-man show. It's the body of Christ. Amen? Come on. Thank you. All right. Um, stretch out your hands to Jacob here. Jacob, you just stop right there. And let's pray for him and, and what he's going to do. Lord, I thank you that you have gone before and you've prepared the way and that you've given Jacob something to say. Lord, I thank you too that you are working on the people's lives and hearts right now and that by your Holy Spirit you convict them, you draw them, you bring them into the light of the truth of the Word of God. And Father, we ask you for deliverances to take place there tomorrow. We ask you for, for the darkness to be pushed back because of an explosion of light. In Jesus' name. Let Lewisburg never be the same again. In Jesus' name. And we thank You for it. Jacob, you're going to go, go in the spirit of power and you're going to minister this in Jesus' thank name. You, Absolutely. Thank you, did you need the microphone or did you come over? So that, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, amen. So be it. So be it. All right, one more thing, and then you can, you can love on each other as you go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor, <laughs> favor on you and give you peace. Father, I declare these things, Your Word, Your promises over Your people. You said You watch over Your Word to perform it. So Father, I thank You that You do these things on these people's lives this week as they go to their various places and that Your favor goes before them, that You protect them, that Your face shines upon them and light and truth flow through them and to them. In Jesus' name, and amen. amen. And one way that we love God... Amen. We love you. everyone. Welcome to the best place in the planet tonight. Glory to God. <clears throat> Amen. Uh-oh. <laughs> Are you glad you're here? Me too. It's not? <laughs> oh, I just was told that I was corrected that this isn't the best place to be tonight. Heaven is the best place to be. Okay, by my little grandson. Hallelujah. <laughs> Psalms 111. Psalms 111 talks about the character of God. And I could list them all, but it's a short psalm. I'm going to read it. And as I read it, will you... Will you think about the different character attributes of God in this psalm and how you have been the very glad recipient 
of all these character attributes of God in your own personal life. And don't let the prompting of this psalm cause you to feel you have to praise, but allow the Holy Spirit to enlarge your heart that there is such a big desire that all you can do is praise and worship the Lord. Reading Psalms will do that for you, by the way. If you've never read through the book of Psalms, I really encourage you to. You can't help but praise God reading them. Starts off with praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Lord, we do praise you tonight. We do worship you. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness to us. You are such a good, good, faithful father. And we praise you from our heart, being such good recipients of your love toward us. David started a lot of psalms out with praise the Lord. It was his heart. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembling of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. Do you love the word of God? Do you have pleasure reading the word of God? Hallelujah. His work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Have you been the recipient of his graciousness, of his mercy and his compassion? He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant with you. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are sure and full of justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever. They are done in truth and in righteousness. He has sent redemption to his people. Glory to God. Are you glad to be a recipient of his redemption? He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And it will for all of eternity. We will in heaven one day be around the throne of the Father and we'll, we'll be praising and worshiping the Lord. Glad that we're home. <laughs> Glad we're home. Glad we're in that manifest presence in there. So right now is a glimpse of what it's going to be like around the family of God with the Father there. It's a glimpse. It's a taste and see that the good Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is our opportunity tonight to thank the Father, thank Jesus, thank the Holy Spirit for all who they are and all that they've done. So let's stand together, family, together tonight. You're here because the Holy Spirit drew you here and you obeyed the prompting of the Lord. So let's open our hearts to him tonight 
and give him the praise and worship that is truly due his name. Amen. The presence of the Lord is here tonight. And you've brought him. Jesus, we praise you. We bless you. We love you. We honor you. We celebrate you in our midst. We're grateful to be called by your name and in the family of God. We've brought grateful hearts tonight individually and collectively so thankful that you call us by name that you know how many hairs are on our head you know our hearts and our desires you know our problems and how to fix them you know everything about us and you love us and you care about us we're so grateful tonight we're so grateful tonight we've come into this place to express that to you, to tell you from our heart how much we love you and adore you, how much we honor you and celebrate you. Receive our praise. Receive our hearts tonight. Receive that the deepest part of each one of us where we're just grateful and all those places where we haven't been grateful, please forgive us tonight. Let us stand in the purity of your fire, the purity of your love. Wherever we've missed you, please forgive our hearts tonight that we can stand before you with assurance and confidence because we know that you love us right where we're at, in our struggles, in our lacks. You love us completely. You've said that time and time again in your word and we believe that. We believe that tonight. So we say, have your way. Holy Spirit, do what you will in each one of us tonight. Gather us as a chicken would gather her little chicks and cause our hearts to be united and tighter together in your love, in your peace, in your joy. Let us experience the manifest presence tonight as we just set our heart on you, Jesus, looking unto you, the author and finisher of our faith. It's all about you tonight. This is your night, and we celebrate you. We love you. We want you to know that. Why don't you just tell him that? I love you, Lord. I love you so much. You've been such a good, good God, faithful, honoring, just caring about us, the details of our life, so full of mercy and so full of grace. Just express your love to him tonight. Let him hear it from your own voice. All the things that you're aware of and recognize in your life that he's been such a part of 
that he made it happen. Not you, he did. And you're in awe and wonder because of his mercy and his grace and his love. And just because that's who he is, he can't help but be it. So we acknowledge you tonight and all those things and all those areas of our life that you've just been good. You've just been faithful. When we haven't been, you've been. Thank you for being a man of integrity to your word and the very, your very character full of love. Father, we're just so grateful. Jesus, we are beyond grateful in an awe and wonder. And Holy Spirit, we honor you tonight in this place. We just bow our hearts in adoration and ask you to have your way in each one of us and collectively as a local body. Thank you for the miracles, the signs, the wonders. Thank you for the healing in our bodies and in our hearts tonight because we say yes and we ask you to do it. And we give you all the praise and all the glory because only you deserves it. And that's what we do. We give you all the glory. Let's lift your hands together and thank him in advance for what he's going to do tonight in me and in you and in us. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Open your heart and allow him to come in. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want you to come in. I want you to do surgery. I want you to have your way. I want you to do what you want less of me and more of you so thank you because I'm expecting I have an expectancy out for the Holy Spirit to have his way and I thank you we thank you we thank you as a local body for tonight and we give you all the praise and glory in the mighty name of Jesus amen and amen hallelujah glory to God just keep your heart position open, okay? Will you do that? The children can be dismissed, though, at this time to their classes. And we want to thank all the teachers and all those who make that happen for them because great things are happening with our children. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, good evening. Everyone's expectant waiting for what the Lord's going to do tonight. Amen. Well, welcome to Church of the Word International. If you're here for the very first time, can you just raise your hand so we can acknowledge you right here in the back? Welcome. We're glad you're with us tonight. That's just an information card. If you'd like to fill that out and put it in the basket, you, you can do that. And um, any prayer requests you may have, you can put those down as well. All right, we're going to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need an envelope for your cash giving, you can raise your hand and our nice kind ushers will bring you one. And um, boy, I can't find my places here. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. And if you're giving by credit card, we appreciate when all of the blanks are filled out. That makes it so much easier. Well, we return the tithe to the Lord because we love him and because we honor him, but tithing done correctly is from a heart of covenant. You know, in a covenant, there's 
two sides, two responsibilities. There's, you know, responsibility on this side and responsibility on that side. And so we're looking to the Lord. When we're, he promised us some things concerning the tithe. And so as we return the tithe from a heart that's in covenant with him, we're looking to him. We're looking to him to provide and to pour out his goodness on us, as he said he would do. I want you to see something here in Psalms 89, verse 34. Thinking of covenant, says, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Now, the Lord's saying that. So let me read you some things that he said in Malachi, some things the Lord has uttered that we absolutely can rely on and can count on. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Who said it? The Lord Almighty. Almighty. Now, he just said that what he says we can count on. He said he ain't going to alter what he said, what he's uttered, and that we can count on his covenant. So he said this. What else did he say? He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. i just pause for a moment here. Does that sound like a picture of just enough? Just get you by. Just keep you over the edge. Now, this is a picture of the need is swallowed up and then some. Amen? Doesn't that sound like abundance? I mean, it doesn't sound... Our God is a God of abundance. He's interested in blessing you and pouring out his goodness on you. He's not interested in lack. So we need to get rid of that kind of thinking. He's not done, though. He's still talking. Verse 11 says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Who said it? The Lord Almighty, who said, I will not alter what my lips have uttered. Now, think about that verse 11. That's talking about maximizing profit. You know the Lord's interested in you not losing out financially? He's interested in your maximum gains in your business? This is a promise to prevent financial loss in your business, in your income. He said, I will prevent these things, pests devouring your crops. I mean, that's robbing you of potential profit. Your fruit dropping before it's ripe, that's a rob. That's loss. That's not making as much as you could have. He's saying, I'll prevent that from happening. Protection. Verse 12 says, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says who? The Lord Lord Almighty. You know, we can count on this. We can take him at his word. He said this. If he said he'll do it, then he'll do it. End of story. 
Our part is to believe it, to act on it, and then to look to him for it, because we're in covenant with him. I have one more scripture I want to read in, in Deuteronomy. He is so faithful. He's so good. We can, he's so reliable. You know, people are not. People are not always. Sometimes they are, but they're not, un, un, um, they're not like the Lord. There's those that will let you down, right? We've probably all experienced that. But the Lord will keep his word. He will not deviate from that. Verse nine, uh, chapter 7 of Deuteronomy, verse 9, says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, is he your God? The Lord your God is God. He's creator of heaven and earth. There is none above him. He is over all. He reigns supreme. No one surpasses him. He is the faithful God. Say he's faithful. He's faithful. What he promised, he will do. Amen? He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Well, hallelujah. Aren't you grateful that in a world that can be uncertain at times and, and, and unstable, there is a God that's constant. There's a God that's faithful. There's a God that keeps his word. Others may not, but he will. So let's take him at his word. Let's believe him for provision, for blessing. Let's believe him to do what he said he would do and open the windows of heaven for our sake. Amen? But what's our part? To honor him in the tithe. To bring in the full tithe, it says. That's the 10%. So we're going to take a hold of that, and uh, we're going to pray over it and offer it to the Lord. Father, we're so grateful tonight for your covenant that you've given us, the covenant of the tithe, and that your heart is to bless us, that your heart is to protect us. And you're so faithful. Lord, we just give you praise tonight for your faithfulness, that you do what you say you will do, that you can be counted on. And so, Lord, we present our tithes as part of our worship, and we're looking to you. We're looking to you to provide. We acknowledge you, Lord, as our source, as our sustainer, the one that brings all good things to us. Every good thing is from you, and Lord, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, tomorrow we've got City Gate tomorrow morning, and Karen reminded me that there's time change, so take that into account when you're planning what time to be there. I believe that's at 1115. Youth and Young Adult Impact is tomorrow evening here at the building, 6 p.m. And just as an, a way of announcement, Jacob Macris is going to be speaking at Eric's Parents Church, I think is, the address is here in the bulletin, so pull out your bulletin and look at that. But I believe it's Eric's Parents Church in Lewisburg. So that will be at 6 p.m., and the address is here in your bulletin. We have a ladies' night out coming up, November 27th, and Karen is heading that up, so if you think you can make that, you can talk to her, and it's, the details are here in the bulletin. If you can't make the Monday night, there's also an option for breakfast at Panera Bread. So I guess I should say it's, it's dinner Monday night at 6 at the Olive Garden, and, or the breakfast 
the next morning at 9 a.m. at Panera Bread. Come bless the people. Let's talk a little bit about schedule. That way you know how to pray. And then in a moment, I'm going to have Alan come up. Alan, where are you? Wave at me. Here. So close, I don't see you. All right. Um, So this week on Tuesday, Jen and I will travel to Paris, France, where we will be ministering with Pastor Kurt Owen in a minister's conference. They're bringing uh, ministers together from all over Europe and beyond. I think of Sweden and Norway, there will be a few from there. Usually there's a couple from Africa as well. And um, we will be ministering to them over uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Jen and I are going to take three days and go do the whole Paris thing, right, as a romantic couple. And um, it's our 23rd wedding anniversary while we're there, so it's perfect timing, and um, we're going to have a great time. In fact, we'll land over there on the 8th, which is my birthday, and so it's my birthday and our anniversary all in Paris. It's not every year you get to do that, right? So, so that's what we're going to do. So be praying for um, us there that we would minister what the Lord wants done in those people's lives. Because, you know, when you minister to a minister, he, he touches many people's lives. And so the, whether the group is, you know, 50 people or 100 people, it represents many and can have a significant impact in the kingdom. I know before you've been a part of the finances of helping Pastor Kurt put that on over there, and it has been a major blessing. I know I've heard the testimonies of people's lives that are there. Also, uh, be in prayer for Apostle Dale. He will bring the Word next weekend um, here as well as the next morning down in Richmond. So he'll have have a busy weekend and come out tuned in, tuned up, and ready to roar. All right, where's Alan? Why don't you come? I've asked him to share with us about his time in Tanzania with Stephen and Donna Mirabella, who is Stephen and Jana's parents and in-laws. And Javin's. And Javin, which you will meet. Yes. Uh, I was excited to hear that when... Pastor Sid announced it last week, but I haven't met Javin yet. I've heard all about him from Stephen and Donna, but I have not met him yet. Uh, I wanted to share tonight uh, because I'm so excited about what happened there. I've, since I was gone, I don't know, most of you probably realize I've only been here like two or three times, maybe in the last three months. It's because once I came back from the trip, I've been out sharing Pennsylvania, Ohio, Illinois, different churches about what happened there. And I can tell you, each time I share, it doesn't get old, is all I will say. I wind up telling these stories, and I get excited all over again. In fact, at a couple churches, I said, uh, if you hear this story, and it doesn't excite you, check. If you're a Christian, you may be dead. Uh, I, you know, in places that know me well, because they're, they're really exciting. And I want to start by something that Pastor Sidney just said. There's nothing I appreciate more when the prayers, I know there's prayers going before me and before us. Uh, And I can tell you on this most recent trip, I saw the results of all those who were praying for us, Florida, Kurdistan, many states in the United States. I knew all these people were praying for the Marabellas, for myself, and for the ministry that was going to go on during the three weeks I was there. And... 
than to watch all the things that God did. You know, I happen to believe that God hears your prayers and then actually responds to them, and I got to see it over and over again. Oftentimes, people will ask me, uh, what are you going to do when you go wherever it is you're going? I go, I'm just going to go and watch what God's going to do. And so I get to have a lot of fun out on these trips. I am ministering, but to me, it's just exciting to watch and see what God's going to do. So I'm going to tell you one lengthy story. It'll tie several things together, but it will show you what God's doing. Last week, Pastor Sidney had me come up and pray for the Marabellas and, and their work in Tanzania. And afterwards, I told him, I said, you know, when you hand me the mic, the only thing that could come to mind was keep doing what you're doing, and then I'd be done. Because I literally got to see that he's already doing everything that I would ask him to do there. Uh, and just to be a small little part of it is so much fun. I've been trying to explain to people, I keep using the word fun, but it's really not. You know, the Bible actually uses a phrase, it's called, and it says in the Bible, it says it's inexpressible joy. And yet I'm out trying to tell people this joy that I'm in, and it says you can't, and I'm finding it hard almost to express. Uh, and, the, and I actually read in the Bible, it said that after I was trying to tell people, I go, oh, well, here's why I can't do it. The Bible says it's inexpressible. Uh, but I've been trying. And so here's this one story I want to tell you. Now, I'm starting with this one thing that was clearly seen to be something Satan was trying to do. And I can say that on this trip, I could more clearly see the attacks of Satan trying to stop the work that God wanted to do more than any other trip that I've been on in my life. But the exciting thing was, I could see God do more than I had ever seen him do before. Everything that Satan tried, we had plans. They were good plans. They were plans that God put in place. Everything that Satan tried to stop, God did something greater than we even had planned. Now, that's fun to watch. So let me give you just one tale of that. At the beginning, we went in, actually, this is the very end of our trip. Uh, the last tribe that we're going to see was the Maasai, and that's Indian Girl and Girl Crater, which is where I'd gone last year, and I shared with some of you about that. And we went in, and we only shared one day, and at the end of that day, we were leaving the village called Andalin in the crater, and a vehicle pulled up beside us, and two very stern men stopped us, and they were government officials. And... The short story of it is, is they took down all of our names, and by the time we got back to the gate where you would come back into the crater again, you have to sign in, sign out, pay to get in and out, we were told that we would never be allowed in again, ever. We were supposed to go back in the next day and minister more. And there's a church of at least 100 believers there. Our brothers and sisters are there from the Maasai, and now, what was interesting, while the rest of the group is being told this, I really couldn't be part of the conversation because I don't speak the language. So I'm just, I know what's going on, I'm just praying. And as I'm praying, God more or less impressed upon me, you really think my word's going to stop getting to them just because you and the Marabellas can't get in there? And the answer to that is no. And in fact, it's one of the exciting parts of the story as this goes on. But I, I wanted to share that with you so that you all can be praying. So that when we go back there next year, that door has been reopened so that we can get in. We do want to get back in there. Uh, also, as a side to that, the Marabellas are filing for their two-year permit to residency to live in that nation before they come back, which is soon, for the, for the winter months. So be praying that they get that. 
uh, I can tell you that there's been, I think on three different occasions that Donna's been rejected and that she's had to get small interval permission to come in and then ultimately it's been granted, but that they do get granted that two-year residency. Uh, so we get stopped and said we can't go in. No ministry will happen to the Messiah anymore. And so we were supposed to be there the next day. The next day was Sunday. And as a result, we went to this little church that was about 200 yards from a place that they own called, they call it like the halfway house, but it's where the students, school students that they sponsor come to when they're not in school. And it was our last day there. So we all went there and we went to this little church and we walked into this little church and the Marabellas had met the pastor there. And by little, I'm saying maybe 30 people and that filled the church. We brought in 10 with us and that made it burst at the seams. 40. I mean, it was literally all you could fit in there. And we walked in, and the pastor goes, here, the service is yours. I'm like, okay, because that meant five minutes later, I was up sharing the morning service. And, and went great. Now, here's here part of the story that I've never seen happen here in the United States. Uh, we turned it back over to the pastor after Donna shared for a bit, too. And the pastor gets up and said, oh, that was really good. Let's all go eat together and come back and have church. Okay, so we had church in the afternoon, and I got to share again. Now, what's really exciting about this, the Marabellas have been planning on staying on in this area for about three more weeks, continually go back in to minister to the Messiah, but they no longer can get in. But prior to going out on this part of the trip, they had mentioned that there was another tribe in the area that's never heard the word of name of Jesus ever. And they're about two hours away from here, off in the bush, in the middle of nowhere, small tribe, only 1,400 people, called the Wasabi. And as it turns out, they've been looking for a connection to get in. And they haven't been able to find anyone because you can't just go in. If you go in, you don't come out. They're the ones that have the poison darts that shoot and kill, and you just don't come out unless you have an invite. And as it turns out, the pastor of this little church that we walked into, because we couldn't get in to see the Messiah, one of his two parents is from, originally from this tribe. And he arranges within a week to get the Marabellas in to, in to see this tribe. They've never heard the name of Jesus. Shorten the story. They go in the following Wednesday. I have just flown out to come back on Monday. They go in on Wednesday. And there are about 50 of this tribe, out of the 1,400 people in the tribe, that are closest to the road. They have met people from the world before, but they only come to see them as a novelty. They pay to get in to see them. They allow them in. They have to bring food with them and things like that to see them. But they only come once. They just want to see this novelty tribe who lives like this. But they've never heard the name of Jesus. The Marabellos go in, and they spend about two hours with them. And they share Jesus. And at the end, these 50 people, they say, well, do any of you want to give your life to Jesus? And all 50 of them raise their hand. And Donna's going, is this really real? Do they understand what I'm asking them? Because every single person is raising their hand. They want to know Jesus as their Lord. And so they make it clear, and as it turns out, yes, they all do. So all 50 of them get saved. First time hearing the name of Jesus, okay? Now, the rest of the tribe lives further back into the bush. And as they're telling me the story on an on a audio text, they're going, and guess where you're going next year? You know, in to see these 50, but back into the bush to find the other ones too. So I'm excited about that because they take me off into these places. We have another tribe that we found out about. There's no roads to it. 
you have to go up a mountain, down a mountain, because there are no roads, and there's another tribe back there that hasn't heard the name of Jesus, so my guess is we'll be climbing a mountain next year, too. Uh, and it's just exciting to take the name of Jesus and share like this, and then watch what God will do. Now, I'll give you two more things that happen from this. So they go in and they share, and all 50 of them get saved. Then they go back in a second time to share more about who Jesus is, and they take them some water. And uh, most of them, this tribe, they don't even have houses. They live under rocks or in bushes. And half of them didn't even have something to lay on. So they, they got a bunch of Maasai blankets to take in with them so that they'd all have blankets. They took in carriers, a couple carriers uh, of water so that they could get to their nearest water source and have a way to carry it back and forth before they would just have to use whatever water they had there and then come back to wherever it is, rock they're laying under or whatever. So they go in and they share more about Jesus. And then it's time for the Marabellas to go. So they go back to their home and about a week later, they get a phone call from what turns out to be the interpreter this tribe speaks in clicks. They don't even really have a language like we have. And so you have to have an interpreter with you. And in fact, the interpreter is how you find them. You would never find them unless the interpreter took you to them. Uh, the Marabella said, even when he took us there, we didn't see them until he pointed them out. They were hidden back in places you would never find them. And so, but anyhow, they get this phone call. And this, this man says, did you send this group called Pawa to the Wasabi? And the Marabellas are like, no. And he said, why? Well, all of a sudden, a week, two weeks after they received Jesus as Lord and Savior, a group of people show up. They don't know how, where, how it was arranged, but they're there to put a well in for these 50 people. Now, for those of you who go to the world and know what water is in a country like that, that is amazing. And they all instantly made the connection. We now serve a God that does this for us. And so be praising God, be praying for the Marabella's ministry there. They'll be back home here soon, uh, but they'll be going back in the spring. I know I'm going to join them again next year. But just be praying that God continues to do a work there and preparing the hearts and that when we go, we even see more of the same next year. So thank you. And that is what it's all about, here and abroad. Thank you for sharing that, Alan. The, uh, in fact, let's take a moment and let's pray for them. Lord, we lift up to you right now Stephen and Donna in the work that they've been doing in Tanzania. Father, I'm asking you to continue to move through them, cause them to be at the right place at the right time each time. Father, put people in their path that are prepared and ready to receive the Gospel. Like these 50 that came into the kingdom, Lord, I ask You to continue blessing and causing them to be a testimony throughout all these other tribes. Thank You, Father, for preparing them in advance to hear the Gospel, to come into the Kingdom, and then to be a sent one. And we bless You for it. Thank You for Your protection over them and that You enable them in all ways, in all things. In Jesus' name, and Amen. <clears throat> the Angorogora Crater is the most beautiful place that I saw in Tanzania. 
is amazing. It's like the Garden of Eden, except the animals will eat you. So, so there's that, but, and you're not allowed to eat them. So they have an unfair advantage. I suppose that's what the animals say about us, usually here in our, in our nation, but that's why we're people and they're animals, praise the Lord. I read something the other day that's really good news. And that was, you know, I was reading in Isaiah about the, the new world that is to come. And talking about after the return of, of Christ and all these things. And, and it said that He was going to serve us meat. And it names different meats. And I was like, we get to eat meat in heaven? Oh, this is getting better all the time. Heaven is a wonderful place. And as the ambassadors of the kingdom of God here in the earth, we are going to bring heaven to earth. It's not so much about you getting into heaven as it is heaven getting into you and then out of you. Right? We're the answer. We're the answer to the trouble of the earth today. Because... The greater one lives in us and He's that answer. He has us here for such a time as this. He has us here to be that answer. To push back the darkness. He has us here to be His voice in the earth. To be His hands and feet in the earth. And we're not going to draw back from that. We're going to press on and reach the mark. Hallelujah.